those 17 days um, under under this big roof is is really something special. Drink Fun. This is the Eat Drink Fun podcast. I'm Chris Miller. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And guten Tag oder Grüß Gott, because today's topic is Beer Fest. Thankfully, large public events and gatherings are finally back. And for Southern Germany, that means the return of massive beer festivals. Now, everyone's heard of the Munich Oktoberfest in Bavaria, but in the neighboring state of Baden-Württemberg, in the capital of Stuttgart, they share a similar agrarian tradition of drinking beer in huge tents. Like their Bavarian neighbors, the Schwabes hold this harvest festival for three weeks in the fall, and it's known as the Kanstatter Volksfest, or the Vasen. Now, Vasen is a meadow. Actually, technically, the Munich, they call it the Wiesen, which is the word for meadow. But in Stuttgart, it's a Vasen. And for three weeks in the spring, the Stuttgarters also enjoy the Frühlingsfest, or the Kleine Vasen, which means Little Meadow, but in reality, it's the largest spring festival in Europe. Now, I'm not one for public math, but that basically means you can spend about 8% of an average year in southern Germany in some sort of huge beer tent, which is awesome. To be honest, I really prefer the Vasen in Stuttgart to the Wiesen in Munich, and just a short anecdote as to why. In Munich, you can't even be served a beer unless you've got a wristband and you're seated at a table. But in Stuttgart, you can get into the tent more easily without a wristband or a reservation, and you can order a beer while you're dancing or singing in the aisles, and you can even go in the corner and hang out at a bar and sip a cocktail or have some wine. First, though, I want to take a second to do a little scene setting. Stuttgart is first and foremost a car town. The city and its suburbs are home to Daimler, the Mercedes-Benz Group, and Porsche, and also Bosch, which is a huge engineering company. So like Bavaria, it's obviously a pretty wealthy and successful place. But Schwabish culture also has its roots in farming and herding, from Switzerland, through the Black Forest, past Stuttgart, up the Neckar River, all the way to Heidelberg. The people are hardworking, they're innovative, after all, the automobile was invented here, and they're traditionally Catholic. And even if they present a pretty formal exterior at first, they really love their parties and their festivals. In this podcast episode, I speak with Carl Meyer, who, with his wife Daniela, runs the family festival event business called the Gucklis Meyer. Our conversation ranges from the beginnings of the Gucklis Meyer business to their evolution of their brand and their unique design style, to beer and local food specialties, and to the amazing engineering that goes into these tents. So if you have time, please check out the video in the show notes called Alfbau. It's amazing. Naturally, with the pandemic, there have been no public festivals this size since 2019. In fact, we recorded this episode last year, and we haven't had, still, a full-scale beer fest with actual large tents. So, it's great news that from the 23rd of September to the 9th of October 2022, the Kanstatter Volksfest is back. It's also a little important to know before we begin that a Gökel is a rooster. And when their business began, there were several families that worked these festivals that shared the same last name, Meyer. So Carl's father became known as the Gucklis Meyer because his business focused on selling roasted chickens. Since 1998, Carl and Daniela have grown and evolved their family brand, making their tent a major crowd favorite. And so with that intro, I hope you enjoy this Beer Fest episode with Carl Meyer of the Gucklis Meyer begin with with first the background and the history which i think is interesting is it began as i understand with your father mm -hmm. and um if you you read on the website you know he began with ice cream which it's funny it's my favorite thing if i were if i were on <laughs> death row and they said it's your last meal chris what do you what do you get to eat and i'd say i just want some ice cream that's it so uh it's funny he started an ice cream business and 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 he ended up having to pivot and started Sort of a, a rotisserie or bratwurst first, and then a rotisserie true, chicken. Yeah, yeah. He, he found out that ice cream, uh, of course, is very seasonal um, in Germany. Uh, <laughs> it's not a not a whole year round business, and uh, and then he uh, he changed to bratwurst, and 
and, and, and small kind of imbis uh, products um, and made his way um, around all the all the uh, exhibitions actually uh, in the beginning not not really the the festivals but more uh, the exhibition kind of uh, um, events and 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 then he he found out that people have to eat on this on these festivals they were not as big as they are now in in these days uh we're talking about times before world war ii um and then he uh at some point he um wanted to learn about uh, the preparation and uh, and the selling of chicken and we didn't have chicken roasted chicken at all in in in, in the state in baden-württemberg uh, so he went to munich to the oktoberfest and there was this one uh, very traditional uh, a chicken tent um, called uh, Amma, and uh, the the really uh, most traditional uh, venue of, of this kind, and, and he did two Oktoberfests there. Um, and being uh, a baker, that's what he what he's learned. Uh, he has learned uh, as a young man. Um, he could stand the heat, so. Uh, um, the boss there, Mr. Mr. Amma, uh, really got to like him, and he somehow uh, they got they got along very well. And um, after the second Oktoberfest that he did, he uh, asked Mr. Amma not to pay him in in cash money, but uh, he wanted to give him two of the old uh, grills that he didn't use anymore uh with uh charcoal really hard work and uh wow. and mr amma said okay you can take those two old grills and do whatever you want and then he with those two old grills he he started his own business here in baden-württemberg as wow. a kind of uh, chicken pioneer nobody else did that before and uh and the the beginning was pretty pretty tough he managed to to get a little uh, a, a little space at the Cannstatter Volksfest mm -hmm. with his chicken uh, business. Yeah, it was but more like a, a stall, and he just had two roasters behind him. Yeah. That's that's about it. Yeah. And he also uh, sold. He still sold uh, uh, bratwurst, mm -hmm. um, but he always told my mother. That uh, in the first couple of days and weeks uh, here in Baden-Württemberg, people were standing in front of the grills and looking at the chicken, but they nobody nobody bought anything. <laughs> what they bought was uh, was still the bratwurst. And then he, at the end of the day, he had to throw away all the chicken. But then, from from day to day, from time to time, it, it started to get a little better and. Uh, yeah, that was kind of the the start of chicken in Baden-Württemberg, and today uh, every every tent does it, and every uh, some some do it better, some some a little. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just incredible because you know you ask a lot of um, folks who go to the Oktoberfest or folks their concept of Germany, and sausage always comes up wurst which mm -hmm. is understandable germans do wurst probably better than anyone in the world it's delicious but you don't necessarily hear about the two things that i love the most about fast food which is the chicken the brathendl and uh schweinehaxe mm -hmm. you know pork knuckles and pork knuckles are they exist in a lot of cultures and obviously roasted chicken you know a lot of cultures but there's something about that rotisserie chicken here. And if you ever see it, it's literally a wall, you know, 30, 40 feet long of hundreds of chickens on spits roasting. It's almost, you know, it, as I've seen in your tent, it's almost like a display. It's mm -hmm. like, Hey, look, 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's something to really behold. And I, I mean, I'm curious, how many in an average fest in a normal year, how many chickens are you usually selling? On the Kanchalavasen? Yeah, on the on the uh, on the on the Volksfest in, in in fall, the fall festival, about twenty five thousand. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's it's the number one thing that we usually go to eat is is this this chicken and and. Uh, Yeah, it's funny that it's it's kind of at least from from the outside, it's not the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, usually it's the sausage, usually it's the other things, but uh, the sauerkraut, the sauerkraut, something like that. Yeah, the fest chicken is 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 the thing uh, that I love. So, you know, we mentioned the Volksfest in the fall and the Frühlingsfest in the spring, but you've built this business now. Your father started it. You've taken it on, and you're in over 10 other festivals throughout the year, right? In Tübingen and Göppingen? No, Tübingen not anymore. Göppingen, yes. Okay. Uh, and then there is a festival in Balingen uh, in the Zollern Alp region. And then we have Heilbronn as a big festival. Then there's uh, the Pferdemarkt in Bietigheim and the two Stuttgart festivals. Right now, it's uh, the, 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 the season consists of uh, six festivals. Six festivals. These are huge. When I, it's funny, when I think of a tent and when most people think of a tent, it's a, some sort of relatively, uh, thin kind of simple construction. But to paint the picture of what these tents actually are, I mean, we're talking steel girders, enormous wood beams, they're massive. Uh, It's something that if I think we erected at home, it would be a permanent construction. But here you do it, you know, it seems multiple times a year. And, you know, can you describe a little bit about what goes into number one, you know, the concept for the design of these tents, uh, how long it takes to assemble them? You know, what are the challenges involved? What, what, how do you, how did this concept kind of evolve? Because I, I know you always had this this uh, meadow, Wiesen, Basen, whatever you uh, call it. And then, you know, this would be the place where you'd have these public events and you would construct something. But this huge tent construction, how, how far back does that go and, and how did that evolve? Do you know? Well, they have, they are, they are, uh, have always been huge tents on the Kanschatter Volksfest, but they were more uh, simple, much more simple than they are right now. Uh, the construction itself is still pretty simple the 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 naked construction but then uh nowadays you have a wooden floor which you didn't have in the old days of course and um that that gives a whole different uh impression if you walk in and you're you're walking on a wooden floor um and not on the bare pavement right um and then you start to put into this simple construction uh other constructions and and these constructions then are uh made out of wood of course because it 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 has a much uh nicer appeal um and then it's a better aesthetic it uh, just looks great yeah. yeah and then you you actually if you if you are now if you're inside the tent you don't have the feeling to be in a tent you have the feeling to be in a in a in a wooden structure and uh, you've got in in the in the so-called vip areas you've got your wooden ceilings and and you've got uh, bars and chandeliers that, uh, chandeliers and everything yeah. bars that look like uh, like uh, nice hotel bars uh, or, or nightclub bars you've got uh, a very uh, sophisticated lightning concept nowadays that you can really uh, control um, we we do have um, not everyone has that but we we put a lot of emphasis on lightning so mm -hmm. we have a, a controlling system that we can dim all the lights during during the evening right. make it darker make it more uh, cozy cozy um, you you do need a lot of light during the day um, but when it's getting dark outside um, you have to dim you have to be able to dim the lights which is uh, a lot of uh, a lot of work and a lot of uh, uh, controlling 
um, that's behind that. It's just an extraordinary amount of engineering yeah. that, that goes into all of this. That's really amazing. Yeah, a lot of people uh, are, are involved in this. Yeah. Well, one thing is I I noticed particularly with your brand, with the Gokulis Meyer, is it's, it's really, I, I want to say progressive, but it's innovative. It's new. It's fresher. It's... It, <laughs> is distinguished from, I think, the rest of the tents. Some, and that's not to diminish what they are, because some of them, they're very traditional. They have a very nice feeling. I mean, all of the tents have a, a tremendous feeling when you go in. Um, the Gerklesmeyer has kind of this more trend um, style, uh, and it, they're a little bit more modern, which I, to some folks, they might come as a little bit of a shock, but it's nice. You have these beautiful monitors or screens up there and people are, you know, either they're on social media or something like that and posting things and it'll, you know, show up and it's, it's far more interactive. And there was obviously a lot of thought given to this design. So as I mentioned before we started the interview, you know, I was here 20 years ago and even then it was a very different fest. It was, uh, Oh yeah. You know, the buildings, the construction was different. Uh, the attire, I want to kind of get into that, was was different. I mean, we just wore normal clothes to the fest. You didn't really dress up for the fest, which mm-hmm. a lot of people do now. So maybe can you tell me a little bit about, you know, how in recent years sort of just the tent evolution happened and where the design ideas came from and, the, and that concept? Yeah. Well, the design idea is is uh, we, my, my, my wife and I, we, uh, we kind of, uh, yeah, we, we have as as a as a hobby more or less uh, uh we like going places and we we like architecture and my wife is uh is a um, graphic designer so uh that makes sense uh, we like to to go around all over the world and and see things and and when we really like it then we try to uh, take it back and, and see how we can use it in, in, in our business. We, we, we like design, we like architecture, and we always, when we started, uh, about 20 years ago, 25 almost, um, we, uh, we knew that we, in order to, to distinguish a little bit from, from all the others, we have to, do something and 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 not do the same thing that everybody else does as good at it as it is but uh we we had the feeling that we have to go uh in another direction so architecture and design was was our one one of the little mosaic parcels that uh, uh pieces that we tried to implement in this and and thought that might be a good idea. And not only is it a good idea, but also is it what we like to do? We, we have fun, uh, in, in, uh, uh, thinking about, uh, things like that, thinking about how the new bar in, in this, uh, little box, uh, could look like what's, what's, uh, uh, how the, how the chicken are presented, like okay. you, like you said, um, how the, the, the beer, uh, the filling of the beer into the mug, uh, you can hide this process behind a wall, but you can also show it, uh, offensively mm-hmm. and, 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 and illuminate it. And, right. and, and that's what we try to do. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And, and you, as you mentioned before, the lighting is is so important. Even with the bars, the sort of that soft lighting, and it's very welcoming. It's warming, but it, I don't know, it, the lighting can really impact the way you feel about a space, yeah. right? So music uh, and lighting. Music and lighting. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, what people wear to the fest because that to me was sort of the biggest shock when I when I left here years ago. I, you know, we most people came in in their regular clothes and they were at the fest and somewhere along the line, uh, they sort of embraced sort of Bavarian tracht, you know, so everyone's in lederhosen now. I'm wearing a checkered shirt, which, you know, it's it's fun because uh, it's it's, you know, makes it a different experience too to to sort of dress up and go somewhere. When did that happen? And 
why did it happen? I guess. <laughs> why did it happen? <laughs> well, why it happened, I, I really don't, don't know. We, um, we have probably been the first ones to, to, uh, um, tease this a little bit because we, we, uh, we, we made our waiters and waitresses were Dindel and, uh, and Lederhosen. Uh, because what, what else should they wear? It, 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 for us, it made sense. And, uh, my mother always, well, she was Bavarian. She was born in, in, in the right. near, near Munich. This is Josephine. Um, Josephine. And, uh, she always wore a dirndl. Always. Mm -hmm. Um, even 50 years ago. Sure. Well, that's the thing is even if you go to Bavaria today, and especially if you're out in the country, I mean, this is, people still wear this on a daily yeah, but basis. What, what people don't know is that, uh, uh, also in Baden Württemberg, there's a lot of, uh, uh, really traditional Tracht. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, what you, what you buy nowadays in, in those, uh, Trachten shops, uh, is, is mostly a mixture, uh, influences from, from Bavaria, of course, Austria, Switzerland, uh, but also we do have uh, um, influences from Baden-Württemberg. Is it a Schwabish influence? Is yeah, it, yeah, Schwabish, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and we we have uh, uh, really custom-made uh, dirndl for the waitresses, and and we try to um, to take over some Schwabische yeah. uh, um, uh, Trachten. Because if I recall correctly, the the female, the Dündel in sort of the Black Forest, the Schwarzwald mm -hmm. area, it's a darker pattern, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a dark dress. And of course, there's the very unique hat that has the balls on it. You don't really see that so much. But I think your waitresses, they do wear sort of a darker mm -hmm. pattern Dündel. So mm -hmm. is that kind of the influence there? Yeah, yeah. somehow, yeah. That's yeah. that's it. And uh, it's it's not that we imported the Bavarian Tracht to, to Stuttgart. It's more than we, we thought um, a, a, a Tracht uh, is, is the right thing to wear on, the, on, on a festival like that. Yeah. Because the historic background of the Kanschatter Volksfest is, is an Erntedankfest. Uh, it, uh, it's it it was made uh for the for the agricultural sector mm -hmm. to show their uh, new inventions and 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 so on and and uh and and the the tracht was uh in those days for the for the for the farmers and and the people who have worked in this in 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 this area um is a, a festive dressing for for Sundays, yeah. um, and and also when they were working out in the fields, they also wore kind of dirndls which were more simple, and uh, so we thought this is the right thing to wear, and then it it somehow got along like a snowball. Um, when some, did that happen? I I would say about fifteen twenty years ago, slowly, and then. And then, Even, now it's and, a, yeah. and, and then it, it wasn't to stop anymore because people, especially young people, they like to dress. And, uh, and, and, and we always, uh, pushed that a little bit in, in, in that form that we said, when the tent is closed, let's say on a Saturday evening, uh, in, in, in the old years, like about 10 or 15 years ago, we said that your chances to get into the tent are much better if you're wearing a proper attire, mm -hmm. which is a, a tracht. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so the, the young kids, they, they started to, to have fun wearing dirndl and, uh, making their hair and, their and, hair, and, yeah. and, and, and they, and they like it. It's, 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 it's something that, you look forward to, and yeah. you get to show off a little bit. You, you show off a little bit. Uh, you you make yourself a little bit more attractive because um, let's let's face it, uh, a, um, a woman, a girl in a in a dirndl is is really something that you like to look at, yeah. and uh, and now they have later hosen as well. Yeah. I mean, you even see later hosen designed for women and yeah, everything yeah, of like course, that. Yeah. yeah. 
which also looks good. So it's, it's, it's interesting because yeah, I think obviously from an outside perspective, you, that's something that attracts you to the event too. It says, look, you dress up for this thing. The whole tent, let's, if, if you're looking in, in a tent on a, on a weekend evening, and it's really fully packed and crowded and you're, you're looking at four and a half thousand people in a certain, let's say, yeah, a little bit, uh, fancy mm-hmm. and, 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 and good looking attire, then, then it's a, a completely different picture than everybody wearing his jeans and, and t-shirts. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned, uh, you know, encouraging people to to wear the truck, especially when the tent fills up and there's a line outside. That exact thing happened to me and a couple of friends of mine. We were in in Munich actually several years ago, and there was a line outside. And the three of us were just walking by. Most of the people in line were not wearing any kind of tracht, but but we had some. And you know, as soon as my buddy showed up and I picked him up at the airport, we went and got outfitted. Right, so I said, okay, we have to we have to do this right. And the guy came to the door, you know, the entrance, and he looked out. And he saw the lion and, and all this. And then he looked at us and he pointed at us and he said, you <laughs> in here. And so we're like, okay, we're in. We didn't even need to stand in line. Everyone online kind of looked at us like, oh man, should have bought some track. Yeah, it, 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 it helps to complete the whole picture. Sure. It's yeah. not only the chandeliers. It's not only the nice uh, stylish bars and uh, uh, it's also the people who are inside yeah and it, it completes the whole picture absolutely so i asked you earlier about you know the number of chickens do you happen to have any idea also on on how much beer actually gets sold or consumed at least in your tent or maybe in the entire fest i know in munich every year they kind of publish statistics to include the number of lost uh you know, dentures that, that show up and things like this kind of funny things. But, you know, and I think they say about 6 million liters of beer or something like that gets consumed in the three weeks in Munich. The fest here is, is almost longer. Is it not than in Munich? It's 17 days. It's 17 the same days. Thing. It's yeah. the same. It's just offset usually by one week or the one other week. Yeah. yeah. We're starting one week later. But what, do you happen to know any of the stats on, on sort of beer consumption? Or? Well, I know what we, we sell about two and a half thousand hectoliters, which is, uh, uh, 250,000 liters. Wow. And, uh, and if you multiply this by the number of tents, uh, plus smaller, smaller venues outside, imbis, uh, beer gardens and all that. But, um, we will never reach the numbers uh, of Munich. They have more tents too. They have they, more tents. Yeah. They are even bigger than yeah. uh, than ours, and uh, they've got more visitors, more tourists, and uh, they are more uh, uh, beer, even more beer oriented than we are. That if, is a nice thing. If you if you're looking at the menu from even from the really sophisticated tents that they are in Munich, uh, not all of them are really sophisticated, but, uh, but they, they do have one or the other. Uh, and even there you, you will hardly find a wine or, uh, even soft drinks is, is, is really, really limited, uh, offer that they have is, is, uh, it's maybe you've got a limonade and a spezi and, uh, Coke, and that's about it. And, and we, wine. we have, uh, uh, Holunderblüten, uh, uh, Scholle and, uh, different kinds of wines, uh, about 10 different sizes and sorts of champagne and everything. We, we do, uh, mix really sophisticated cocktails in our bars. Uh, you name it. And this is, this is not happening in Munich. Not at all. Yeah, I, I think there's a beer zelt. There's a beer tent, or I'm sorry, a wine zelt in Munich yeah. that you can go to. Yeah. If you want wine, you go to the wine zelt. You know, you don't go to, you know, most of the beer tents. In the beer tents, you get beer, right? But here, yeah, you can get everything, right? Cocktails in this corner, uh, you know, wine at your table, and it's, 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 yeah, it's really nice, and it's good wine. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's delicious stuff.
Of course, no conversation these days would be complete without a brief discussion of the pandemic and the challenges that it brought. I mean, ha- has it been helpful? Has the government been helpful at all in oh, yeah. getting all this done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we 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 would not have been able to to uh, sit out two years without a penny of income, uh, without uh, help of the government, and uh, of course we we uh, took money from from the bank uh, as a loan. Uh, <laughs> a huge amount, <laughs> but uh, this alone uh, did not uh, did not uh, really. It, it wasn't sufficient. So we we also used uh, the uh, help of the government in in all these programs. Like uh, first of all, the Kurzarbeit yeah. is is an instrument that uh, is really really helpful. Uh, so that's for for people who are unaware what what Kurzarbeit is. It basically translates as um, short work. Short work, yeah. But it, it's a flexible system in Germany here that is, uh, you know, it it allows you basically to reduce uh, someone's hours basically, and you don't have to lay them off or let them go. That's it. In the states, what happens almost immediately as a knee jerk is you lay off the workforce. You you let them go, and then they get and collect some unemployment and things like that. And in Germany, you have the system of Kurzarbeit where, you know, you lose a lot as a business if you have to let your people go. You've trained them. They're skilled. That's they know it. what they're doing. And you want to keep their skills up. You want to keep them attached. They obviously need some benefits and the social system to survive and things like that. So, so this system enables you to keep those people at least partially part of their time. And then they're free to, you know, find another job or find some other source of income or something like that. But they stay connected to you, right? Yeah. That's so. it. That's it. They 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 do get a um, a part of their uh, usual salary, um, and they can can be still stay employed with the company, mm-hmm. and not uh, and and you don't lose them because if we're talking about uh, next spring festival, we have to start in in October November to to put all this pieces together and and to start uh, what 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 is uh, is is needed to manage uh, a, a, a festival like this um, and then I need my I need my staff yeah and I don't want to go out on the market and and look for completely new people yeah so I want to ask you a couple I usually ask a few kind of quick questions around usually personal preferences because one of the things that I like to dig out and, and sort of discover or find out is everyone has a favorite drink or a favorite place you mentioned you and your wife like to travel a lot and she is a uh, you know is a graphic designer and how you both have this interest in architecture what are some favorite places that you like to go and it's maybe specifically from a perspective of like, uh, because it's the design is good and, and you like where that is. Yeah. In, in Europe, it's, it's probably London that we really love, uh, in, in this perspective and, and overseas, of course, we, we do love New York city. Uh, I, uh, especially like, uh, Chicago, uh, from this point of view so and the arc deco, piece of it or what is it, what is it about chicago yeah uh, uh the 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 mies van der buildings and and all that uh i i think chicago is a is a uh really uh spectacular in 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 ways of architecture and new york city as well of course um and then a lot of places you can you can go in in Europe. You can go to Palma de Mallorca, maybe, and uh, you can go to Paris. You can Barcelona is is great. Uh, Italy is is absolutely uh, uh, absolutely adorable in 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 the Tuscany. Mm-hmm. All those uh, cities. Um, yeah, it's, that's it's, great. It's beautiful. In fact, we were just in, you know thinking about design and just the way things have progressed in the last several decades, as I mentioned, we come over and, and, and ski every year. We, we ski a lot when we've been living here, but 
in a lot of these villages, and I think places like in Vorarlberg and Tirol, and we were just in Südtirol oh, for yeah, a week. Look at the, look at the ski hats in, 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 uh, in, in, in Lech. In Lech, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's you, every year there's something new. Even this summer, we were just there. They're, they're putting in two more lifts. Mm -hmm. They're gonna, they're gonna redo some of their older lifts that were just two chairs. And, and so they're constantly making those improvements from an infrastructure perspective. But from the architecture, mm -hmm. the lighting, as you mentioned, you know, this distressed wood with the backlighting and, and everything. Uh, the style, the sort of that Alpine style is really nice. We were just at a hotel in, in Sutirol, uh, mm -hmm. in near La Villa, between La Villa and Covara. Ah, okay. I know was, that. Yeah. It's a beautiful spa, this contrast of sort of light wood and dark sort of slate and the pool that just looks out at the Dolomites. I mean, it's. Yeah. This Alpine kind of, uh, architecture is, is great. Yeah. It's, it's really, really, really yeah. pretty. Do you have any, so if, I mean, Again, you're going on a vacation. Do you have kind of a rhythm? Do you have regular places you go? Is it summertime? You usually go to say Asia, or is it wintertime? You go somewhere? Or no, regular? We, we also ski, of course, and and we do a lot of a, a, a lot of. Uh, we try to get a lot of skiing <laughs> uh, in the winter. Uh, what we always use is the is uh, the fall. Uh, a holiday which unfortunately is only one week because it's uh, it's uh, pretty much immediately right after the Vasen so this is uh, something that I that I need <laughs> uh, and we try to get a little bit of uh, sun and and warmth uh, and and go to uh, to Asia or to to the Middle East uh, because we don't want to have to We don't want to think about how the weather would be in, in, in this particular week. We just want to relax, know that it's going to be warm, know that we don't need uh, long, long trousers and uh, uh, just easy packing and then relaxing. That's that's the this one week in fall. Uh, summer is 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 for me, especially is not a really uh, big uh, vacation time because the season is running mm. it's uh, maybe maybe three or four or five days here and there but not more mm. no you have to you have to look for your weeks in the in the calendar but uh, if you really want to you can you can find them yeah um, make it a priority that's the most important thing so are you a wine drinker Mm, I'm, I'm, if, if the question would be beer or wine, I would say it's, it's rather beer, but, uh, I, I do like wine as well. You have any particular preferences or German wines? Yeah. I, I try to, uh, I try to taste a little bit even from other countries, but, uh, most of the white wines that I buy are German, mm. uh, A lot of them from Baden-Württemberg. Mm -hmm. I I think uh, yeah, it's just like buying. Uh, if you're living in a city like Stuttgart, uh, where cars are built and everybody is connected somehow to uh, to those uh, companies, if we want it or not, it, it's the way it is. We Everybody somehow needs Mercedes and Porsche to be successful. Yeah. And uh, so I buy cars that are made in Stuttgart. And I also buy wines that are made in Baden-Württemberg. Yeah. Uh, not only, but at least 50%. Yeah. Just because I think it's the right thing. Yeah. And uh, by local. Yeah. Yeah. By local. And, uh, and, uh, and also because I like them. And because they're great wines. And I don't think they get appreciated enough, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you have uh, in Baden some of the best Pinot Noir mm -hmm. uh, that you can find really anywhere. Some ex excellent, excellent stuff. And even here in Stuttgart, I think we mentioned before we started, um, you know, Lemberger is a, is a grape here that mm -hmm. is incredibly complex and rich. And I think sort of defies what most people imagine when they think of German wine. We're at a pretty high latitude, so you're thinking cooler climate and sort of lighter wines, lighter body, but Lemberger, 
that's aged in oak is really delicious and, mm-hmm. and complex and and uh yeah i think uh i think this is an untapped secret still and hopefully <laughs> uh people will figure it out at some point but also that it might drive up the price of the wine because the nice thing about buying wine here in Baden-Württemberg is, uh, you know, it's actually very reasonably priced. Yeah, it's very affordable it too, yeah. um, which I I appreciate, and I hope it doesn't get more expensive. But you know, it's the price of having success, I guess. When when uh, you know supply is a little bit low and then demand goes way up, your prices are going to go up, right? Um, how about beer then? You mentioned you're a beer drinker. What is what is your beer? And I was going to ask the connection also with the tent and. Is there any influence there in which beers you carry, or how does that relationship work? It's kind of a patriotic uh, thing that I, of course, when I when I go and really buy beer for for our household and, and for myself, then uh, of course I I always uh, buy at least uh, one of the beers that that I sell. Uh, being uh, uh, Wulle right now, uh, um, or being Stuttgarter Hofbräu in the in the past years, but I also I, I also uh, always buy uh, different other things just to to taste mm. and to 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 try and, and and to see what they are like. The thing that's interesting, you mentioned Vule. There's a a friend of mine down actually, and like every time I go there, I have I, I feel obligated to bring him a a case of Vule because mm-hmm. he can't get it. You know, it's a great local beer, but it's also, you know, it's it's like one of those things. You know, if you ask someone from Hamburg, they're probably going to drink Astra, right? They're yeah, just, sure. You know, it's a local thing. Right? It's a local thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's how how the brewery market has always uh, functioned for decades. That's. Yeah. For generations, even it's a local thing, and it's 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 good that way. So in in Munich, you know, it's sort of the tents are usually associated with a certain beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's a Palan itself, an Augustine itself, and all that. And here you have a Hofbräu tent, and 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 these. But is there, you know, you also see like your business, sort of the independent family-run tent. And obviously, they select a beer because you, you do that. But how how did the other, you know, how did that structure kind of evolve here in Stuttgart, where you have obviously the breweries, the Dinkelockers, they'll have their tents, but then you have other other families. How did that? Well, the, it's it's divided in 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 two pieces. I would say there's uh, there's the so-called Zulassungsrichtlinie, which uh, would be like. Uh, uh, kind of the constitution for the Kanstadt of Asen, I would say, okay. and uh, and uh, it's written in there that every brewery that sits in in the city region of Stuttgart has the right to put up a tent on the Kanstadt of Asen, as long as they are brewing beer in Stuttgart. Um, so this is one thing, and we've got uh, the Stuttgarter Hofbräu, we've got uh, the Dinkelacker as a brewery, and then we've got Schwabenbräu, who used to be two separate breweries. Nowadays, they they emerged, but mm-hmm. uh, so we we do have those three, and then there there is one so-called uh, Landbrauerei, uh, which would be a. Uh, like a regional brewery, a, a brewery from the nearer region, not from Stuttgart itself, but from the nearer region, and and one of those breweries also has the right to put up a tent, uh, and this would be nowadays uh, uh, Fürstenberg, which is uh, from Donaueschingen, which is yeah, kind of the region, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there are. Other tents uh, that can uh, uh, try to get a, 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 mm-hmm. a space on the on the festival fair, uh, you have to apply for that. Uh, it used to be every year. Nowadays, uh, it is always a five-year contract because the the uh, 
the money that you need to invest in order to put up a festival tent like that, uh, the amounts are so huge that the risk with a one-year contract is is not bearable. Sure. So nowadays sense. it's it's a five-year contract, but after these five years, I, I again have to apply, uh, put together a whole bunch of uh, documentation and uh, concepts and, and mm. things like that. It gets easier, of course, when you are well known sure. and uh, the officials know you and know your your business and, and the way you, you're doing it. Then, uh, of course, it's it's a lot easier now. And uh, and and those independent uh, uh, tents like like ours, mm -hmm. we are picking a brewery that we like to work together with. Sure. So it's a different a different uh, you kind get to of choose and that yeah, could change we choose time. the yeah. brewery, yeah. and on the other hand, the brewery get the uh, right to put up their tent and they choose uh, a person who runs it for them. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's clear. So have you, have you ever been approached or given thought to doing this elsewhere? I mean, I'd, I'm thinking, I, I always wonder this, uh, and I've asked this question in the Aprisky context of, you know, could this work somewhere else? And I think in the States, it would be really hard to make something like this work. There's a lot of variables, I think, that are challenging. Um, but uh, have, has anyone ever approached you and said, hey, we'd like to do this in you know Chicago. We have our German festivals and our beer festivals, and you're an expert yeah, in that's, this field. Yeah, that happens uh, about almost every day uh, <laughs> that somebody comes up with this great idea to bring everything to Chicago or to Shanghai or to wherever you name it uh, the thing is I I right now uh, uh, because of the the uh, cancellation of the Oktoberfest somebody tried to do an Oktoberfest in Dubai and uh, uh, <laughs> when I got the information package for this festival in Dubai I looked at it and I said not one of our uh, uh, tent owners is going to go there because uh, the restrictions are too much. You have to rent the tent. You have to rent the decoration. You have to book your your music, the bands, through this uh, company, through the organization. And then uh, it's no matter where you put it, it's always going to be artificial that's my opinion um i like to do it here that's where it comes from that that's where it belongs and uh, uh the whole surrounding it it has to be on the kanchata vasen and 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 you i i think you cannot just take it and put it somewhere else and 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 hope to hope it to be the same it yeah it's not going to be the same and i totally agree with you i mean i've I've, there have been obviously some examples of people trying to do this overseas, like uh, the uh, Münchner Hofbräu. You know, they have a, a building in Las Vegas that mm -hmm. almost the exterior kind mm -hmm. of resembles the mm -hmm. original, right? But it's a totally different experience. You know, it, they can't, you can't imitate this, right? It's nice. I'm still going to go to it if I'm in the States or if I'm in Vegas because, you know, it reminds me of the original, but it's it's never going to be the original, and it could never uh, really compete with it. It's just kind of a an artifact that kind of you know gives you a little bit of a taste of it, but but not really you know. <laughs> a little bit of a taste of it. And yeah, as the owner, true. yeah, and as the owner of something like that, you you know you you don't want to dilute your brand or or tarnish or you know take that risk either, right? You know you don't want to have your brand out there, and then some people say, oh. My I'm yeah, so if, sure if, about you, this. if you if you're trying to transport everything to another country, uh, it's it, it's probably too expensive. And if you if you're thinking, well, then I don't take my stuff, then I go there, I go on a different place, and and try to 
rent everything there, then it's not the same anymore. Plus, there's no way that I would ever wear lederhosen in, in Dubai. Like, <laughs> there's just no way. It's never going to happen. Um, yeah, the other point I, I think is is really important about the fest, the feeling that I get, and one of the things that I love about it is that you really have almost all ages represented. It's really the entire community. You have the young people, as you mentioned, you know, who are going, they're excited. You know, this is an event that they look forward to in their childhood. Ah, man, I'm, when I'm 17, 18, I can't wait to start going to the fest. But then all the way through folks who are, you know, into their 80s and whatnot, you know, and they may be on the wings or on the side. They may have rented a private book through a box or something like that. But I think this is like one of those unique events where everybody comes together literally under one tent. You all listen to the same music, This, which in and of itself, I mean, I love it. Some people don't love it. But if you love it, you really, really love it. And, you know, <laughs> um, and you hear the same songs every year. And then there's usually a couple new songs added every year. But it's it's almost like this pattern of life. And it really brings the community together, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of one of those special things about, about hosting that. I mean, what are your favorite things about, about doing that? About Well, this is, this is actually one part of it, uh, hosting so many different people, uh, the poor and the rich, the old and the young, uh, the, the locals and the foreigners. It, it's, it, that makes it, makes it special. And, um, um you might have a, a Friday evening where, of course, most of the people are on the younger side, I would say, and they want their party. They want lightning special effects. They want uh, a huge party bands mm -hmm. uh, and, and the music has to go bam, bam, bam. And even if the band uh, has a break, then you, you need your DJ uh, who uh, takes over for half an hour and mm -hmm. then you've got your video walls uh, where you have the the communication with the with the people um and and then there is let's say not friday night but tuesday uh at lunchtime and then you've got your elder people and they they even come and and play cards and they eat their chicken they they uh, uh they are happy to get it for a little lower price uh, um, and uh, a smaller band than uh, maybe a little bit different kind of music selection that they're playing uh, older songs that they can uh, 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 sing uh, along and, uh, and stuff like that um, it's fun having all that and uh, those 17 days um under under this big roof is is really something special uh the team consists of about 200 and people and uh they are from from all countries all over the world young ones older ones uh it's for everybody it's every, a place for everybody. all the all the nations that you can imagine uh, are walking together under one roof uh, it's, it's, it's really special. It's long hours. It's really exhausting and it's, it's really demanding. Uh, uh, but still it's something that if you like it, you, you, you want to have that every year uh, again. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, that's a saying of my father. He always said, if you had this big roof of a beer tent over your head, uh, you either like it or you hate it. And if you like it, you want to have it again and again. And if you hate it, you have it just once and then never again. I, uh, I agree with that. I'm on the side, obviously that loves it. I think most people love it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great, um, cultural sort of melting pot. Everyone's coming together. Yeah. That's, that's you know? the right expression. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it's it's a nice thing. So, just a couple more questions about about you. We talked kind of about travel. Um, I'm I'm always ask about food. Is there any particular food, especially? Do you ever travel anywhere because of the food, 
or is there anything you know that really draws you? I mean, if you, I was wondering. You mentioned Chicago. Do you like? I mean, hot dogs in Chicago are a thing, right? With your green relish and all that stuff. <laughs> sure. If you are in Chicago, you have to you have to eat that. You have to <laughs> try it. Yeah. Traveling just because of the food, I would say no. I'm not a. I'm not that much of a food aficionado that goes places just because of the food. Uh, but of course, when we are in in Asia, we we try to. Uh, look around and, and taste whatever can be tasted. Um, and if we are in, 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 in France, of course, we, what we, what we do love, uh, is Italy. Yeah. The food in Italy. Uh, if, if I would have to choose one cuisine of the world to stay with for the rest of my life, I would probably say, if it's not the Swabian cuisine, then it has to be the Italian one. Yeah. So as far as Swabish cuisine, you have any favorites? Is there anything that you're, you know, well, you know, your mother was was Bavarian. So was she cooking Bavarian things for you? Or did she learn to make Spätzle and uh, Schimpfnudeln and yeah, all these? Sure. She, she had to adopt. And, uh, uh, well, what I think... Uh, Every region has uh, their specialties, but I, I I really do think that the Swabian cuisine is is kind of special. Uh, there are things uh, like uh, Linsen und Spätzle und Seitenwürstle. This is it's really not very sophisticated, or uh, it, it's it, neither is it hard to cook nor is it uh, is it expensive. But it's it's something. It's like uh, spaghetti uh, uh, and and a uh, and, uh, and a good tomato uh, uh, sauce. It's just it makes you feel good. It's yeah. a it's a it's, it's comfort a, food. It's right? a comfort food. Yeah, yeah. Spätzle uh, in the winter time. A Geisburger Marsch. Uh, yeah. um, so a Geisburger Marsch is like a it's like a broth with beef and Spätzle in it and vegetables. Yeah. It's kind of a broth stew and, and the linsen are, are lentils so like lentils with with uh, yeah of west but it's a it's a what is this item it's, it's kind of a wiener like a wiener type yeah. yeah and you put some vinegar on top of the on, on the lentils and it's it's really yeah. it's it's uh there are great parts of the cuisine here. Zwiebelrostbraten Zwiebelrostbraten of course and, yeah. you know these are yeah these are classics Maultaschen so. Schupfnudeln. There are some really nice Swabian inventions, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I totally agree. So, is there anything, sort of last question, is there anything that you'd like to tell anybody about the future, where things are going, anything, anything at all? Any future plans or? Well, in the moment, in the very moment, uh, the plan is to get started again. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are really, really hoping that uh, the people did not forget about us. Uh, if you're looking downtown, everybody is, is, is going out and is going places, is, uh, is enjoying the fact that you can sit outside in the cafes and, 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 and I have the impression that, uh, people still want to gather and, and want to, want to get together, want to have their, uh, uh events. Uh, I don't think that when we start again next spring, that we, we reach the same numbers as, uh, back in 19. You don't think so? No, I don't think so because uh, I, I still think that uh, some people would be a little bit uh, hesitant hesitant, and also the big companies that uh, we need uh, because of their bookings might also some of them might not be able to because they uh, the pandemic hit them just as much as as it hit us uh, so they they might simply not be able to afford 
uh, going going to the Vasen with the whole staff and 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 their clients. Uh, so this will take another one or two years, I think. But uh, I I do think, and I'm 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 really hoping, and I'm also a little bit convinced that uh, looking around now, it it convinces me that uh, people are social beings and they like to be together with other people it's, it's as simple as that yeah and uh i don't think that our product is one that people don't miss it's it's something i think that uh they did not get used to not having it uh it, it, there are things that you get used to if you don't have them for one year, maybe for another year, then you might not need them anymore. But I don't think our product is one of those. I don't think so either. I think everyone's looking forward to the next one. And we'll see who's right. I think the demand is so pent up and people are so eager to go back to doing festivals and being at a, at a place like that, that it'll, it'll pick up rather quickly. At least I hope it does. And if I can help in any way in bringing people <laughs> you're more than to welcome Stuttgart. to yeah. uh, I that's that's what I'd like to do so anyway thank you very much for your time I appreciate it uh, it was a pleasure great so I hope you enjoyed that again please check out the links in the show notes at eatdrinkfun.com slash podcast please also rate and review as always if you like what you're hearing you can find more on Instagram or Twitter at EatDrinkFun. You can also email me at info at eatdrinkfun.com. Thank you again to Carl Meyer, his family, and everyone at the Guckwismeyer. The intro music is Pluck It Up by Dan Hennig, and the fest rendition of Country Roads is performed by D. Lollies. Until next time, here's to eating well, drinking better, and always having fun. <laughs>